So we're going to be in 1 John, but uh, we'll be in chapter 5. We move on to a new chapter, the last chapter. But each week, as uh, we try to look at an event in John's life, something that he saw or something that he heard or something that he took part in or witnessed, that informs us about the text that we're going to be reading this week. And so uh, mark your spot in 1 John chapter 5 and turn to the Gospel of John, which John also wrote. The Gospel of John, chapter 13. It's John 13. And John 13 is the Last Supper. So it's the night before Jesus Christ is crucified. And John gives us a lot of what happens that night. Uh, some very comforting texts for us. John 14, about him going and preparing a place for us. And doubt, these doubts are going to come again for us. Now, uh, the high priestly prayer where Jesus Christ prays for you and me. He, he talks about these who have seen and believed, but boy, what about those who come later? Jesus Christ prays for you and me while he was on the earth. I, I think that's pretty exciting. But here in John 13, verse 31 says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Now, we're we're kind of at the middle of the story here. So the one who's gone out is Judas Iscariot. He's gone out to betray Jesus Christ. And so he's now just speaking to believers. There's not one who's possessed by Satan, as that tells us that Judas is, that the the devil entered into him to do this, to betray Jesus Christ. And so now he's with true believers, the disciples, the one that he's, this inner group that he has. And so the the true and loyal, the real ones are, are there as he has this conversation. Verse 32, he says, First thing, after Judas leaves, he gets down to the business like, again, these are Jesus' last words to them in a, in a setting where they can have this time to do it. And so last words mean something. And so he's, like I say, it goes on for a couple of chapters, but he conveys all the things that he's supposed to do, making sure that he's dotted all of his I's, crossed all of his T's, or as the Bible would say, all the jots and tittles are, are in there. You know, those little letters are done. And the first thing he gets to make sure that they know and understand is what he gives for us here this morning. Verse 32, if God be glorified in him... God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come, so now I say to you. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. He gives them a new commandment. This new commandment, is a commandment for believers. It's, it's not one like, oh, add this to the Ten Commandments. It's a commandment for us who, who are already repented and trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. And that commandment is that we are to love one another. It's something that we're supposed to do. Verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. It says that if you do this, and you're doing it right, that the lost world will look and see, that's different. You don't see that. The world will take notice. Matter of fact, there's other places where he tells us that, that they will see and they will know that I am in you and that you work for me because of your love one towards another. Because it's true. You know, if we do it and we live it out right, the world does notice. They see that love. And they see the love in action because it's not something that we just speak. It's something that we do and it's something that we are supposed to do. Um, sometimes I think I, I take for granted what we have here. Uh, and when we have missionaries come in or visitors come in and uh, oftentimes they're like, your people are still here. Service is over, they're still here. They're still talking over there. They're, they're still talking out here. They're talking in the parking lot. They're talking out front. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, we'll be here for another hour. <laughs> you know, everybody visiting together, he's like, 
normally church is done, boom, put our time in, let's get out of here. And it's like, so it's always like, no, it's who we are. We, we hang out. Sometimes, you know, we have something we got to do and we got to get out. But most of the time, we hang out and visit with one another. We like one another. <laughs> and it's like, and so it, it makes a difference. Even other Christians come in and notice, like, wow, you guys like one another. I like that. You know, I, I, uh, it's always kind of odd if I'm around another pastor, like, oh, what are they, what are they arguing about at your church? Mm, nothing. I don't know. You know, <laughs> we, we, we debate Bible verses. It's like, I'm glad I don't have that frustration. I'm glad there. Robbie and I were talking yesterday. I'm like, maybe God just gives me what I can handle. And I'm like, I'm good with that. You know, I'm good with what we have and just the faithfulness there. It's something that we're supposed to have. I'm glad we don't have fightings. If it was, you know, I'd have to inter- intercede. Um, something that Elaine and I like to watch. It's something new that we found out that we like to watch. We can't stay up late enough to watch all the late night TV. But uh, with YouTube, you can get all the little excerpts. And so uh, Jimmy Fallon always does his little hashtag thing where he puts out a hashtag and people talk about it. And he had one. Uh, we watched the other night, it was like, uh, uh, hashtag my stupid fight, or something like that. And then people write in about these stupid fights they were in, and like, one of them was like a typical brother, or no, it had to be two sisters. Uh, two sisters, and she said her sister had slapped her, and said her mom wanted to be home for two hours, so she kept slapping herself in the face, so it would be red when her mom got home. You're like, she slapped me! You know, so it kept it red, you know, so my, my stupid fight. And then, then one of them, I was like, one of the last ones in there was like, uh, my, my brother, my sister, me and my brother had a fight, and my mom made us hold our hands and look at each other until we made up. I'm like, um, my wife had done that with my children. <laughs> it's like, you are siblings forever. You're going to sit here until you realize that you love one another. You're going to hold each other's hand, and you're going to have to deal with this. And so I'd have to do that with you if there's anything going on. You two are going to spend some time with one another. And no, I'm thankful we don't have to have that. But that's it. You know, it's family rules. And so Jesus isn't telling us here that, that here's a commandment. You're, in our family, you love one another. Across denominational lines. Uh, now, we're Bible believers, and we hold to this. You know, but there's a spirit that I've sensed in you. And I don't just sense it. It's things that you have said and things that I have said and we've said together about other churches. It's like, yeah, I might not agree with where they go this day or that way. But, man, they love the Lord, and the salvation is the same. And we can, like, we, like, oh, you know, they're brothers and sisters, you know, in that. It's not like, <clears throat> I can remember getting a sense sometimes when I was younger, like, if you didn't attend this church, I don't know where anybody else in the world is saved. I don't think that. I, I know that any Creek Baptist camp is preaching the gospel down there. I know that uh, churches in Martinsville, other churches in Trafalgar, you know, the, 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 the Franklin, Jessica, they're preaching the gospel, and I am for them. It's like, you got great numbers? Great, good. Keep giving them the gospel. I'm going to encourage them in that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, that we, we want a bigger family. We want it to be true. And like, yeah, we might vary on some things, and that's why we gather together differently. You know, if you want to, if dress code's a big thing, there's churches for that. If this, that, and the other, you know, music's a big thing, you know, yeah, we have some. We have a little bit of lenience there. I love them. You know, do your thing. You do, but be in Christ. Are you honoring Him with it? You know, and and, and trying to support that. That's what God wants us to have. We're supposed to be living this out. Be real. Be genuine. Care for one another, and care for the lost. And it says the lost will notice that when you're doing it because you really care about them. They're going to be like, "What's up with you?" you know, and this is different. That you would come, and, and Christ has given it to us. To help us. And he just says it should just be an outflowing. And verse 34 says that we are to love as he has loved us. We're supposed to love one another. He gave his all, right? He died. Yes. It's the ultimate sacrifice for us to lay down his life for us. He did that. You know, we say that a lot and we, it's enacted a lot, even if it's a stepping in front of somebody or going in this way. As a, as a husband, you know, I try to position myself walking on the sidewalk or whatever to where 
the car's going to hit me first, you know, in that way. I taught that to my boys, you know, in this way that we're going to be in this position to where we're the protector, we're the guarder. Uh, <clears throat> I like it if I'm out with my children and uh, we're in a store that there's somebody acting weird. I can remember one time, uh, Joel and I specifically were in Walmart, and there was a guy acting real weird. And he just looked at me, he goes, you see that? And I'm like, yeah, I see that. And so we're both shopping, keeping an eye on this guy who's being weird. Turned out the guy was security watching somebody else, but he wasn't very stealthy. He was like, oh, and dipping all around. I was like, man, you're pretty obvious you're doing something weird. <laughs> Joel and I about tackled him. But uh, it's just like, uh, you know, but we try to train each other to be that way, to, to be observant, know what's going on, to be alert. The world needs more alert. You know, and so we're, we're supposed to be guardian and protector in that way. And so we're, we're supposed to do like Christ has done. But he's done more than just lay down his life. He also did without. He went from heaven, ruling in heaven, to a stable. That's some humility. He went without sleep. They didn't have a lot of money. Uh, he walked everywhere he went. Uh, he taught. It is, uh, it's draining to teach and to be teaching all the time. He prayed for those who were persecuting him. He prayed for those who were with him. He prayed for you and me. He's prayed all the time, interceding on somebody else's behalf. He went without food. Or he fed them that were hungry with very little food. He cried for us at funerals. He was frustrated unbelief and frustrated about how, how long will I be with you and I'm trying to teach you and you're just not getting it. He laughed with us. He had a sense of humor. I was thinking about that on the way in. I'm like, man, who can say he didn't have a sense of humor when he uses the examples of like, you know, hey, the guy with the beam sticking out of his guy, I worried about the guy with a little moat in his eye. You know, you can just see him like, you know, acting it out like, oh, you hypocrite, you know, you got the big beam in your eye or, or when he's like, well, just with John and James is the brothers. Hey, sons of thunder. You know, that's, he's got a sense of humor, and you can see that in other things that he said. He was so far above us, but he became one of us to be tempted in all manners like we are, yet without sin, and to die the death of every man for every man. See, we have an example of how to behave that sometimes we do without. Sometimes we do something for others. Look, look at chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. Chapter 15. And verse 12. It's that, that same night. John 15, verse 12. He, he says, These are my commandments, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 17, the same chapter. He says, These things I command you, that you love one another. I, I pick up a theme here that he wants us to love one another. He starts out with it. He's ending with it. Remember, it's a commandment. Remember, it is you. Remember, it's not a suggestion. This is a commandment. A commandment that I give you. Love one another. This is how you behave. It's how you're supposed to behave. Now let's go to our text in 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, we'll read the first five verses. First John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that have overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. I'll stop right there. 
Uh, you can see why John's known as uh, the disciple of love. Uh, <laughs> we've been in chapter after chapter and here in this, I don't know how many times, it's just in those first five verses there. He talks about it a lot. And this is the conclusion of his book. We're in chapter five, the last chapter. He wants us confident in our faith. He says, a family book, it's not just a church book, it's to family. It's to the ones who are the core, the ones who are the doers, uh, not just the sayers. And he wants us to have confidence in our salvation. And he's given us some tests along the way to say, are you saved? Test yourself, are you saved? Do you see this fruit in your life? Do you have this pattern in your life? Are you confident in your salvation? Because he loves us enough to say, if you're not, get things right with God. You know, and get right and, and come in closer to the family. And the commandment that Jesus gave, John remembers it. He talks about it, and he asks you, are you living it out? Are you loving one another? Do you love your brother? Last week we talked about that. And he talks about it, he continues in it here in chapter 5. He says, is it evident in your life? Do you see this? Is it real? Is it genuine? Is it just something that you were doing, or is it who you are? Verse 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that beget uh, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Kind of tongue twistery, but he's, he's saying... If you trust Jesus as your Messiah, as your Christ, and you love Jesus, and you love God the Father, but you don't just love Him, you also love the begotten of Him. The begotten of Jesus Christ are brothers, sisters in Christ, other Christians. He says, you know, uh, an evident of your salvation is one, you love God, you want to please God, you want to please Christ, and you have a love for your fellow Christians. You have a care and a concern for them. You want to support them. You want to be there for them. You want to pray for them, intercede on their behalf. You would give anything for them. You would help them when you could. Uh, you would do these things. It is a fruit, it is an evidence that Christ is in you, that you would do that. You die to yourself and you live for them. Just like Christ humbled himself and did things for us. We do that for others. Verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And it's further evidence, we love God and his children and we keep his commandments. We begin to then try to act them out. We try to, to do what he's told us, sometimes without even knowing it. You might not even know. Um, if I was to make you a list of all the commandments that we have as Christians, not just like the Ten Commandments, but other ones, I don't know that I could give them all to you. But I know that they're there, but I know that they're things that we see, and we'll, and we'll look at some. So he has given us commandments for us. One, love one another. That's his main one. You love one another. And then he has other things that are required of us because we are Christians, things that we should see. Um, so not just the big ten. You know, he, he's talking about things for us to do as believers, as the children of God. Let, let's, let's look at one. Or we'll look at a list of one. It's in 1 Thessalonians. So back to the left. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, Thessalonians is one of my favorite books. And uh, it's written to a new church. Paul was with them for two weeks. And in those two weeks, he taught them about Christ. You know, he kind of church planted this. He, he goes in there, gives them the main core doctrine. And one of the main things that they're fascinated with is one of the main things I'm fascinated with. And it's about the rapture, the coming of, the, coming of Christ back for the saints. And so chapter 4, he addresses that. And then as he's writing this, so he's, he's dealt with that problem. Matter of fact, that's why they wrote him. They thought that they missed it, you know, that they thought that something had happened. Or what about they were worried about their loved ones who had died, that they'd missed the rapture, and they're not going to be there from the millennial reign of Christ. And he's like, no, the dead in Christ rise first. And then we bits were alive and remain or change in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and we go up to be with Christ in the air. And he gives them all that. And then as a sign-off, as a new church, he's like... And here's some other things. And, and so he tells them in chapter 5 some other things. Like verse 11, uh, he says that they are, uh, wherefore comfort yourselves together. 
One, you're to be gathered together, and you're to comfort one another. You know, comfort one another. Uh, we do that by being together. You can't comfort if you don't know. That's why we have a time on Sunday night where we take prayer requests. We have a time on Wednesday night where we take prayer requests. And then we know what everybody's going through. And if it's something that's not brought up in them, sometimes it's just unspoken. Sometimes you can just tell because we've been around one another, something's bothering them. You know, we'll have to, you go up on a private and you'll say something, everything all right, everything doing okay, Lord's brought you to my heart this week or whatever. And they might share with you on one-on-one and now you can carry that burden with someone else. That's, we do, we're to comfort one another in this way. Uh, Edify, it goes on to say, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Build one another up. Come on, you know, let's keep going. And uh, we're in this together. Uh, Ecclesiastes tells us that, you know, that we don't, you know, talks about two of you walking along together, unless one of you fall in a ditch and the other one can pull someone up. And so if we're struggling in life and we live in a lost and fallen world, we live in a world that's full of temptation, we are here to help one another and say, are you keeping on? Are you still doing good? Just by being here, you encourage one another just by, oh, they kept it up. Oh, they're still in the faith. Oh, they're faithful. They're consistent. Uh, if I could tell you how many times this summer someone has come up to me and said, man, I'm super encouraged by so-and-so. You know, they're, they're here, and they keep being here. And they've been, ah, it's just a breath of fresh air. It just encourages me in my faith. That's great. I love that, that we have that with one another in that way, that we have that kind of encouragement. And so just by being here is an encouragement. Verse 14, it says, uh, Warn them that are unruly. If you see brothers and sisters in the faith that are living a little outside the bounds of what we ought to be, we're to go alongside them as a brother and sister and say, hey, uh, I don't know that you're behaving in the family way. You know, and, and so we, we remind them and we bring it back. It also says in that same verse, comfort the feeble-minded. Maybe someone's struggling with an issue. Well, I just don't know. And boy, this is going on in the world and I don't know. Is God in charge? Is God still in control? And you come alongside, that's not an issue for you. And you're like, oh, I have answers for that. And we come along and we share those Bible verses to encourage them and, and to build them up so that they're not weak in that area as a, a feeble-minded is. And it also says support the weak just to strengthen them. Some people need a lot of help. We're here to help one another. And we're to be patient towards all men to remind us that we're all different. I'm I always think of Moses. I'm like, man, Moses as the leader, he had a whiny group of people. <laughs> and it's like, and he kept on going and he interceded on the Lord and he interceded for them because he loved them. And, and I feel that a lot. It's just like, man, you know, it's not as burdensome when you love somebody and it's not as hard. You know, I would do anything for my children. I'd do anything for you guys because we love one another, right? We're there for them. It makes us give up of ourselves just like Christ did, you know, because... He's done that for us. We do that for them to care for them and to watch out for them and to support them and to be patient and to realize that we're not all in the same place. Verse 16 says, Rejoice evermore. A Christian is a rejoicing person. I want to thank God for what He's doing. I want to praise God for this. We take notice for the things that come into our life and we thank Him for it. Man, I'm glad that's heard it. And that's axe head moments. We're going to write those down and rejoice in that. God did that for you. Amen. Heard one yesterday. My wife and I stood at home saying, Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. You got the goosebumps. You got the goosebumps. That's amazing. God answering prayer and moving, rejoicing in it. Uh, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Here's something that a Christian does we pray. We pray all the time. We are into Lord and prayer. I don't know how many times I've been driving and my wife, what are you thinking? Praying. You know, what are you thinking? Praying. You know, we're praying, interceding for one another, just praying, thanking God for what I saw, thanking God for how the sun was peeking through the clouds, thanking God for uh, that hawk that we always see on the power line on the way in by the, by the farm. You know, just all these little things that just make you smile, seeing God moving and working and just sometimes rejoicing in people and what they are doing. Verse 19 says, um, or 18, sorry, give, give thanks. And give thanks. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thanking God, taking notice for who He is and what He is doing, and thanking Him and praising Him for it. Thank you. 
Thank you. Giving Him thanks. Giving Him thanks. Verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. That we are keeping the Spirit alive. That we're not letting sin or anything enter into our life. We are keeping the Spirit close to us. We are listening to it. When He convicts us of sin, that we listen to it. We yield to it. That we don't have a wet blanket thrown on it and join ourselves farther from Him. So just like there are steps to become closer to Christ, there are steps that you can take to draw you further away. One, don't come to His house. Don't read His Word. You know, Don't believe in Him. Don't, don't pray to Him. Don't take any of His things into action. And you'll find yourself far away from Him and thinking, am I backslider? Am I saved at all? You can have those same steps drawing you away. No, we're supposed to be not quenching the Spirit, but listening. You get convicted of sin, act on that. Confess our sin, right? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, verse 20 says, I despise not prophesying. Yep, so we, we look forward to what's happening and going to happen and looking at the Scripture in that way. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. That we're always testing things. As Christians, we're to be examining everything. Is that good? Is that right? Is a fidget spinner a work of the devil? Is it something that's just, you know, is it something we can do? We test it all, you know, and we see. Is it good or right? Decent fair? What? what? We examine it to see what it is and how it is. Uh, verse 22, abstain from the appearance of evil. There's some things you can do, but you might not want to because it might look evil if perceived by someone else. You might be able to go and, and Applebee's and oh, the only place to sit is at the bar. And you're like, eh, I think that would appear evil. Let's not, we'll wait the extra 15 minutes or we'll go to Wendy's. You know, or, you, know you don't want to go this way. You want to abstain from the appearance of evil so that someone in, they won't perceive it as being evil that way. You want to make sure your fellow brothers and sisters are encouraged by what you're doing and not discouraged by it. And so we want to make sure we even watch out and, and what they might even think might be happening. We're to be conscious about our life. We're to have a life where we're thinking about Everything we are doing. The lost world just does what they do. We're always thinking, should I post that on Facebook? How, will this encourage believers or will they take this the wrong way? How should I do that? What about Instagram? How are they going to perceive this? Is this going to encourage, discourage? What about, you know, and so we think about all that as we go forth and, and even as we answer. Uh, and it goes on, verse 22 says, and, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, I pray God, for your whole spirit and soul, body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, why do we do this? So that we can be blameless. And that's not even all the commandments. That's just a short little list that we have um, for believers here in Thessalonians. But, but there's more. So let's turn back to John. And so we're to be living by these rules. We're to be trying to be pleasing unto him. Matter of fact, verse 3, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. It's not a burden to do that. You know, it shouldn't be like, oh man, I've got to be rejoicing. i got to go to Lord in prayer today. You, know, yeah, you can't go to sleep yet. No, it should be something that's just come our, part of our habit of what we're doing. It's not grievous to us. But we want to please him. We want to help brothers and sisters. It isn't hard when you're doing it out of love. You know, it's, it's not hard work. Um, my wife and I love our kids. We've done work for them. We've sweated for them. And the whole time it's not been, this is horrible, I wish I was laying home on the couch. It's like, man, I love them. I hope, I hope they know we love them. I hope they see that we love them and what we're doing. Because we love them. And that makes us even go a little bit further than we normally would have done. It's because we're doing it out of love. Um, J. Vernon McGee tells a story about a little girl who was carrying her baby brother. And, and her baby brother was not any small fry. You know, so he's a big one. You've all seen this little girl. She's got her hips all out like this, and she's holding her brother, and she's carrying him all around like she's big mama. You know, taking him all around, and this lady comes up to her and says, little girl, isn't that baby heavy? And she said, he's not heavy. He's my brother. You know, it's like, so love doesn't notice the weight, right? It's like, he's my brother. I'm just carrying him around. There's a song I always heard about that. He's not heavy. He's my brother. And I always thought, what are they talking about? I thought it was hippie speak, but maybe this is it. It's just like, he's my brother. It's not a burden. That's what this means. It's not a burden. 
Brothers and sisters aren't a burden if it's truly genuine that they're seeking. If they're there needing help, we do it. We rise to the occasion. It's not a burden. There's a funeral and we make the meals. It's not like, oh, we got to make meals. No, people are like, here, we're going to do that. The church comes into action and we do it. We come alongside. People need help with us. Man, here we are. We go and we do it. And I've seen you over the 11 years do that and I appreciate it. And so when you love them, it's not a burden. Fathers and mothers who have two jobs and work all day and come home and then take care of the house and do things with the kids and help them with the homework and make the meals and do all that. It's not a burden for them. It's so they love them, because they love them, and they want to provide for them, and they want them to have better, and they want them to, to be able to go and, and, and to care for them. It's not grievous. It's what the family does. You lay down your life to support those that are under you. Verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Overcomers. In John 16, Jesus says, Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Now, the first part of that verse, he's saying, you're going to face a lot of tribulation. The world's going to be hard on you. And then he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And if we are in Christ by salvation, we repent and trust in Christ, we are placed in Christ, we then become overcomers. We are in Christ who has overcome the world. And then he then strengthens us to help overcome the world. Verse 4 again says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is not as passive as it sounds. It sounds like, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I am now an overcomer because I'm a believer. That is true. Faith is that. It's believing. It's trusting in Jesus Christ. It's more than just believing. It is trusting it, living in it, and acting it. And we've used the example all the time. You have faith in a chair when you sit down. You, put, you exhibit that faith in the chair when you sit down, holding, knowing it's going to hold you up. We put our faith in Jesus Christ by living out what he's told us, by putting ourselves in it and acting it out, putting that faith into action. That's what this is talking about. This overcomer, the one that he's talking about here in the family, the overcomer in the family who's one who puts his faith into action. It's not one who sits on the side of the room. Yeah, they're here in the family. They always sit in that corner. They never talk to anybody. They never do anything. They rarely show up to a family function. No, an overcomer who is one who is involved, who puts it into action, who loves his brothers and sisters, the one who does something for the cause of Christ. Hebrews 11 is a whole chapter, the hall of faith. And we go through that list. Think about what they do. Noah. He believed, right? He built an ark. Faith in action. Hadn't rained. Builds an ark. You go to see the one in Kentucky, and we've been over there, and it is the largest wooden structure in the world. That tells me that his was the largest wooden structure in the world when he built it. And so Noah put his faith into action by going out and doing it, saying, God told me to do it, I'm going to do it. Moses, same way, faith into action, took on Pharaoh. Abraham walked to a new country, faith into action. Um, Moses walked through the Red Sea. Joshua, faith into action, walked around the walls. You know, it's like God said, walk around the walls. I'm a military leader. This doesn't seem like a good idea. Faith into action. Okay, Lord, what you said. Walks around at one time. Goes back home. Walks around the next time. You know, the victory wasn't his. The victory was commanded by the, the commander that he saw that day before, right? Who's like, are you for us or against us? And he gives him the battle plan. And it was different. And it was weird. It's not what we would do. But he trusted him. Put that faith into action. The walls came tumbling down. Rahab put her faith in that little red string that she hung out the window. That God would honor her and keep her family alive. And he did. Gideon. And 300 men. We can't win with 300 men. God's like, good, perfect. You'll know I did it. You know, ah, and you have glass pitchers and you have lamps and you have horns. Those aren't weapons of warfare unless you're on the Lord's side. Gideon, put that faith into action. Samson with the jawbone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, 
you're going to die if you don't if you don't bow down when you hear the. I just always remember the one instrument's the sackbut. When you when you hear the horns of the trumpets of the sackbut and whatever, they, and, the, and they're like, no, we don't bow down. Our Lord tells us not to bow down. Like, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. If you kill us, you kill us. If we live, we live. You know, it's like, but we're going to honor the Lord. They lived. You know, walked out of the fiery furnace because they put their faith into action. They didn't bow. They didn't bend. They didn't burn. You know, and, and, and it's just faith in action. We are to put our faith in action. We are to live it out loud. We're to show it. And he says, here, you do that around the brethren. You love them, you show them, you support them, you care for them. That's showing that you trust in God and His way is the better way. It may seem like foolishness to the world. Why would you give up a Sunday morning? You only get two days on the weekend. Why would you give up a day to do that? Why would you give up one of your nights throughout the week? You've worked hard all day and you come another night to come back on a Sunday night. Why would you do that? God said it's best. God said it's best for me. God said I should. God said not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God said I need to be with the fellowship. I need to be with the brethren. God said as we see the day approaching, we need to be in the word. We need to be studying the word so that we're not fooled by the deception that's coming upon the world. We need to be in this place. It may seem foolish to the world, but it's his way. And we're to march just like with Joshua around Jericho and we're to do it because it's a matter of life and death. If they did things right way, and you can go all through the scripture, there's a way when they did it the Lord's way, they lived. If they did a man's way, they died. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it's the ways of death. The ways of God are life. We're to stay close to Him. It's victory. It's on the winning side to be with Christ. He is the overcomer. He overcomes in the end. We can look and see. He defeats the world. He defeats the devil. He defeats the false Christ. He defeats the antichrist. He defeats uh, uh, the prophet, the false prophet, all of them. So are we in Christ? Are you an overcomer? If you're not, you can be. You repent of your sins and you trust Jesus Christ to save you. And if you are, are we living it out loud? Are we showing it? We have an opportunity today to, to do part of this, to, to encourage one another, to fellowship with one another, and just get to know one another better. Uh, so out through the rest of the year, we can be like, hey, I know what's going on in their life a little bit better now. I know where they are. I know where they stand. I know what's going on. And we just had time to break bread and fellowship together. And that's part of what we do today. And so we have an opportunity to kind of live this verse out loud just by fellowshipping together. And so, and food, so it's always good. (laughs) But uh, we'll close in a word of prayer here now.